manifestations of the Holy Ghost. And we've been finding out there's so much more to the Holy Ghost than what we that we really talk about. Amen. Glory to God. And like we've been doing, we've been praying for a move of God. We've been praying for an awakening to take place across this nation and throughout these islands. And we know when we're talking about an awakening, when we're talking about a move of God, what we're really talking about is a move of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. Now, we talked about the physical, mental, and material side of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But once again, we can't discount the spiritual side of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I believe they're both working together. Tell your neighbor they're working together. And God will use the physical, mental, material manifestations to get people's attention to set them up for the spiritual manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Amen? He's bringing them both together. Tell your neighbor he's bringing them both together. Well, here in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, we've been talking about the spiritual side. Isaiah 61, verse 1, it states, The Spirit of the Lord is, God is what? Upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And we know those good tidings is you don't have to be needy anymore. Let me say it again. You don't have to be needy anymore. You don't have to be weak anymore. And you don't have to be poor no more. Somebody say, I'll take that. And he said, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. In other words, God is going to stop the bleeding of someone who's been brokenhearted. Come on, he's bandaging up someone who's been maimed emotionally, wrecked emotionally, crushed emotionally, broke down emotionally, torn apart or abused violently, shattered emotionally, hurt really bad emotionally. He said, what did he say here? He said, he has sent me to bind up, to bandage up the brokenhearted. That's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Then it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty. And that liberty means freedom to the captives where he talked about the state of captivity. Well, the anointing of God will set a person free from you in the state of captivity. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then it says, an opening of the prison to them that are, them that are what, bound. In other words, another manifestation of the Holy Ghost is to show them the way out of the bondage. Come on, it gives you direction. Come on, say amen, somebody. How to move, how to maneuver around things, how to maneuver over things, even how to go up under things. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because he's opening the prison to those that are bound. He's showing you a way out. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, what is the acceptable year of the Lord? We know the acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. Come on. And in the year of Jubilee, we're talking about debt cancellations. He said again, we're talking about debt cancellations. We're talking about everything you lost being returned to you. We're talking about you getting your family back. Come on, say amen, somebody. And this is what we're facing in 2017. Why? This is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. So it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Well, we know what the day of vengeance is. We know God is the God of vengeance and recompense. Vengeance and what? Recompense. Well, what's going to happen? God is going to deal with your enemies. 
God is going to deal with your enemies. God is going to deal with your enemies. Then on top of that, he's going to repay you for everything they stole from you. He's going to repay you for everything you lost because of them. Oh, you ain't hearing me out here. Why? That's the perceptible year of the Lord. That's the day of vengeance. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then it says he's going to comfort all that mourn. In other words, your mourning days are over. Your mourning days have come to an end. There's a comfort that's going to rest upon you that your life will never, ever be the same. Somebody say, I received that right now. Then he tells you what he's going to do in verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. We know the word appoint here means to place or to set as a permanent thing. In other words, there's not going to be any changes where he's about to place you, folks. You will not and cannot be moved by circumstances. Come on. He's going to place you in Zion, the holy city of God. For what? To give unto them beauty for what? Beauty for what? Ashes. And we know that word beauty is a Hebrew word, Pierre, and it means embellish. It was a fancy headdress. It was a beautiful diadem, or you would know it as a tiara. You know, some of y'all, queen show, you know, come on. He na ma ma Okay, but it's all right. <laughs> so you know what it is. <laughs> Amen. But it means here, it means that all that mourn, come on, will be given a beautiful nuptial tiara instead of the ashes that are thrown on the head when a person is mourning. Come on, say amen, somebody. And then he says the oil of joy for what? For mourning. The oil of joy for what? Mourning. See, the oil of joy expresses joy and happiness. Some people just need to be happy again. <laughs> Come on, some people just need to be happy again. Some people, you know Christians aren't happy? <laughs> they look more discouraged than the sinner, more depressed than the sinner. They need the oil. <laughs> Oh, come on. They need the oil of joy. Come on, this is something that's needed. This is the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. God's going to anoint the church with the oil of joy and happiness. Why? Because that's what the Holy Ghost comes to do. He comes to rid you of the heaviness and oil you down with joy and happiness. Somebody say, I receive it right now. Come on, say, my heaviness days are over. Then it says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And notice we says it says the spirit of heaviness. Because that heaviness is a spirit. That if you allow it, it will come on you at any given moment. I'm talking about everything will be going fine one day. You'll be walking around happy and smile, thing, that thing hits you, bam. Your whole continence changes. They be thinking Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. Come on. <laughs> what 
what meaneth this? Come on, say amen, somebody. But he says, I give you the garment of praise for the what? Spirit of heaviness. We know the word heaviness means faint or weak. It refers to someone who's depressed and faint, folks. But the Holy Ghost is the answer for that spirit. Let me say it again. The Holy Ghost is the answer for that spirit. He's here to put on you the garment of praise. The garment of what? Praise. What happened? He'll prompt you to get your mind off yourself and get your mind on God. Let me say it again. He'll prompt you to get your mind off yourself and get your mind on God. Well, look at Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26, 3. He says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because why? He trusts in thee. When you get your mind off him and you start looking at the circumstances, your trust is no longer there. Because why? You're trusting more in what you see than what God has said. Let me say it again. You're trusting more in what you see than what God has said. And what God has said will always override what you see. You hear what I just said? So he said, that will keep him in perfect peace. Who's what? Whose mind is what? Whose mind is what? That's where the problem lies most of the time, folks. Where is your mind wandering? Sometimes it's wandering in places where it's not supposed to be. Dealing with issues that you, can't, you have no control over anyway. That you can't change anyway. Well, you won't do nothing but make it worse anyway. So he says what? Keep your mind stayed on me because I trust in thee. Trust the Lord for how long? Forever. For the Lord is who? Jehovah. He is everlasting what? Strength. Once again, if you allow the Holy Ghost, he will dress you with the garment of praise, folks. A garment expressing what? Praise and gratitude because why? He'll prompt you to focus, all, focus on all the good things God has done in your life. Has God done anything in your life? Has God done anything in your life? And that's what he's here to do. He gets you to redirect your thinking. Redirect your focus. Stop focusing on the situation. Stop focusing on the problem. And start focusing on your God because your God is bigger than the situation. Your God is bigger than the circumstance. That's why you don't look at the bigness of your problem. You look at the bigness of your God. Come on, say amen, somebody. So I got to what? Redirect. You got to redirect. Come on, how do I redirect? Father, I thank and I praise and I glorify your holy and majestic name. Father, I remember when you did this. I remember when you did this. I remember when you got me out of this. I remember when you got me out of that. Father, I remember when you turned this situation around. I remember when you healed my body from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Father, I remember when you did this. I Come on. You start giving God praise because why? You're putting yourself in remembrance of all the good things God has done in your life. It makes you forget all the bad things that's happening in your life. Say amen, somebody. 
God needs to get that spirit of heaviness off you. And he does it by what? Giving you the garment of praise. It's called redirect. Tell your neighbor, it's called redirect. Redirect your thinking, redirect your focus. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? So that you might be called trees of righteousness. Come on, going back to Isaiah. That you may be called trees of what? Righteousness, the plan of the Lord, that he might be what? That he might be what? Glorified. This, you might be called what? Trees. He got to get that spirit of heaviness off of you so you can be called what? Trees of righteousness. And we, we know what happens to trees. Go to Psalms 1-3. Psalms 1-3. Psalms 1-3 says, and he shall be like a what? Come on, say that's me. Come on, say I'm going to be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth my fruit and my season and my leaf shall not wither. Why? Because a dead tree can't bring forth fruit. Let me say it again. A dead, depressed tree cannot bring forth fruit. You have to become alive again with the garment of praise, folks. And when you do, what happens? You'll bring forth fruit in your season. And we know in his season means the season expected. That's what it means here. It means the season expected. In other words, God expects this to be your season. Let me say it again. God expects this to be your season. Come on, say this is my season. And he said, your leaf shall not wither, which means you're going to have a rich, fruitful, and perfect Christian life from here on out. Let me say that again. Which means, you know, listen, your leaf shall not wither, which means you're going to have a rich, fruitful, and perfect Christian life from here on out. Why? Because God said it. I don't care what people say, oh, that's not possible. No. With God, all things are possible. And then it goes on to say, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why? Because you threw off that spirit of heaviness and you allowed the Holy Ghost to put on you the garment of praise. And when you do that, guess what? Whatever you do will prosper. Can't nothing stop you when you got that garment on, folks. Why? Because the praise steals the avenger. It stops the enemy right in his track. Come on. And when he stopped in your track, you're still going forward, folks. You're still going forward, accomplishing everything God wants you to accomplish, going where you want to go, going, doing what God wants you to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. Look at verse 4. And they shall build the old waste places, and they raise up the former desolation. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of the many generations. In other words, some things that were broken are going to be repaired. 
what used to be old waste and desolate is going to come back alive again. I'm talking about marriages. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about things you thought you threw away because you didn't believe they would ever come to pass. Come on. Then he goes on to say, and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. In other words, God's going to send people. God's going to send people to you that you never dreamed of to help you accomplish his plan for your life. They're going to feed your flocks. Come on, they're going to be your plowmen. They're going to do all the dirty work. Come on, say amen, somebody. They're going to be the vine dressers. And it says, but you shall be named the what? Priest of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of God. But I like this part. And you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory shall you boast yourself. What's this talking about? It's talking about the wealth of the sinner. It's coming to the just. Now, it ain't laid up no more, folks. <laughs> it ain't laid up no more. It's coming. Come on, say amen, somebody. The New Living Translation reads verse 6 like this. You'll be called the priests of the Lord, ministers of God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations, and you will boast in their riches. You hear what I said? You will boast in their riches. Come on, that sounds like the children of Israel coming out of Egypt to me. Come on, say amen, somebody. Go get everything they got. Come on, say amen, somebody. Verse 7, and it says, and for your shame, you shall have what? Say, double for my trouble. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall what? Possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. Everlasting joy should be unto them. It says, you're, gonna, you're about to possess the double, folks. I'm about to about the double. Come on, say it's time to double up. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's time to double up. All right, I got But do you see what's about to break loose in your life this year? Do you see what the Holy Ghost is about to manifest in your life this year? Come on, say amen, somebody. The New Living Translation reads verse 7 this way. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. And you will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. And everlasting joy will be your, not might, will be your, not maybe, will be yours. In other words, you'll never be broke another day in your life. And you'll never be sad another day in your life. Say, not another day. Not another day. Not here. Not here. Wrong address. Glory to God. 
Why? Because these are all manifestations of the Holy Ghost. But there's a supernatural aspect of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost we need to focus on. And we're going to take a little turn here. Go to Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 1. Take a little turn here. Because it's something that, you know, it's been in the Word of God for since the Word of God been here. But, <laughs> but it's something that we never really pay attention to and we never really focus on because it's supernatural. Sometimes it's beyond reasoning beyond what we can even grasp with our mind that could happen. But it's in the word of God. But it's what? In the word of God. So it says in Ezekiel 8, 1, And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house, and notice it says, And the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord fell there upon me. So the hand of the Lord, what? Fell there upon me. Notice it says, the elders of Judah were sitting in front of him, right? They were right there. Were they right there? Now, while they were there, sitting there, Ezekiel says, the hand of the Lord fell right there upon me. Then he begins to describe what he sees. He says, then I beheld, and lo, a lightness of an appearance of fire from the appearance of his loins even downward, fire from his loins even upwards, as the appearance of brightness as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my head. <laughs> and the spirit lifted me up. Between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem. Took him to another place. To the door of the inner gate that looked up towards the north where was the seat of the image of jealousy which provoked him to jealousy. This was all happening while the elders were sitting in front of him. But they seen nothing. See, there can be a manifestation of the spirit and it can be like you're not even there. You won't experience anything. For one thing, because you're not looking for it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And number two, you may be so caught up in sin and in disobedience that you wouldn't recognize the manifestation of the spirit but smacked you upside the head. These elders had provoked God to jealousy because of their sins and idolatry, folks. And it says in verse 4, And behold, the glory of the Lord of God of Israel was there according to the vision that I saw in the plain, what I seen before at the beginning of Ezekiel. But take note that it was the Spirit that brought him to the glory. It was what? The Spirit that brought him to the glory. It was the Spirit that brought him to the vision of God it was the manifestation of the Spirit that brought him to an open vision. The only one that seen it was him. And it literally, it, it literally felt like the Spirit lifted him up by his hair and suspended him between heaven and earth. This was not no Scrooge movie, folks. 
This is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Could you imagine in the air looking down and looking up? You're suspended in mid-air. And you realize, my feet are not on the ground. Folks, he wasn't daydreaming. This was real time. Turn your neighbor, this is real time. Now, the elders are still sitting there. They don't know what's going on. But this wasn't the only time Ezekiel experienced this. Go to Ezekiel 3.1. See, we don't look at things like this. Because why? It's supernatural. It's beyond comprehension. But it's strange that magicians believe it. <laughs> they believe in levitating and all the other kind of stuff. Come on, say amen, somebody. And got people believing it. But the word of God says... This stuff is in the Bible. Ezekiel 3 1. More he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findeth, eat this roll, go speak to the house of Israel. So open thy mouth, and he caused me to eat the roll. And if you read about that, you know it was sweet and then it was bitter. Go down to verse 10. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thy what? Heart, and hear with thy what? Ears. And go, get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them. Thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Then it says in verse 12, whether they hear or not. The Spirit did what? He did what? He took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of the great Russian saying, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. Once again, it says the Spirit, the Spirit what? took him somewhere. The Spirit took him before the throne of God, but look at verse 13, and I heard also the noise of wings of the living creatures that touched one another, and the noise of wheels over against them, and the noise of a great rushing. So the Spirit lifted me up and did what? And did what? Took me away and I went in bitterness and in the heat of my spirit. He was upset at the condition of the people that the spirit was showing him and their attitude towards God. But he also knew that he was going to prophesy against them and it wasn't going to be easy. So I said, but the hand of the Lord was strong what? Upon me. Why? A divine power came upon him to complete his mission. But it says the spirit of the Lord took me up. And said, then I came to them in the captivity of Tel Aviv and that, the, that dwelt in the river of Shabar and I, sat, and I sat where they sat and I remained there astonished. Wouldn't you be astonished? If you just experienced for the first time, amen, being lifted up. He said, I was astonished among them for seven days. Did this just happen to me? <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. What is this? That's the manifestation of the Holy Ghost that we don't really take note of. But is it in Scripture? Come on. Is it in Scripture? Well, go to Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 22. It's the reason the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you this. It's in the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is about to take you to some places that you've never been. And it's not going to be by Delta. It's not going to be by American Airlines. It's not going to be by Spirit. 
<laughs> Come on, you're going to fly the Holy Ghost airways. Ezekiel 11, 22. This is when the glory of God was lifted from Jerusalem, and it said, Then did the cherubims lift up their wings and the wheels beside them, and the glory of God of Israel was over them above. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain which is on the east side of the city. In other words, the glory can't leave a place. The glory can leave a place. And said, verse 24, but afterwards, what happened again? The spirit what? Took me up and brought me in a vision by the spirit of God into Chaldea. He's taking any places. To them of the, of, the, of the captivity, so the vision that I had, had seen went up from me. The spirit of God, by the spirit, by the spirit of God, took him up and brought him somewhere else. Is it possible? Is this possible? Is this possible? We'll go to Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 1. But have you ever heard that before? You know, this isn't preached. <laughs> but it's in the scripture. If it's in the word of God, I can believe God for anything that's in the word of God. I can have faith for anything in the word of God. The problem is that I can get beyond my thinking and get beyond this is supernatural. And it's hard to comprehend because you're used to buying a ticket and getting on the airplane. Or getting in your car and driving from one place to the other. But we're talking Bible here. We're talking about manifestations of the supernatural. God is still working supernatural things. He is still a supernatural God. In other words, he'll do things beyond your natural way of thinking. Ezekiel 40, verse 1. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, don't y'all be, don't, don't nobody leave here yet. I get up in Mississippi, be in China somewhere. Don't go nowhere yet. Don't, don't y'all be, don't believe for it yet. Don't go nowhere yet. Miss Walker, just stay here. <laughs> Amen. This is not Scotty. Beat me up yet. Amen. In the five and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year after that, the city was smitten. In the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was what? Upon me and brought me thither. In the vision of God, he brought me, he brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a what? Very high mountain. Did it say he climbed the mountain? Did it say he climbed the mountain? It said it what? Set him on a very high mountain by which was the frame of the city on the south. And he brought me. Come on, it says he set me, he brought me, he brought me thither. And behold, there was a man whose appearance was like of the appearance of brass, like the line of flax in his hand and the measuring reed. And he stood in the gate. And a man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thy eyes, hear with thy ears, set thy heart upon all that I show thee. For to, for to the intent that I may show them unto thee, art thou brought hither, declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. In other words, you're about to behold some things. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
with your eyes. You're about to be wholesome things with your ears. Come on, that's really going to rock your world. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, and God is saying, when I do this, I want you to set your heart to do and say what I show you and what I tell you because why? All of this is not just for you to show people how spiritual you are. Oh, come on, let's get it right now. Why? It's not about you. It's about being used of God for his purposes so that his will can be done and he gets the glory. Now, this is Old Testament, right? Well, let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Let's see if we can find these manifestations in the New Testament. We don't play it. We don't, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't pay emphasis on things like this. But it's still a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Acts 8.26. And it says, The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. In other words, you notice he said, The angel of the Lord spake unto him. Come on, we're going to have more angelic visitations. It was a norm back in those days. We're going to have more angelic visitation. Well, it'll be a norm for us. It'll be a norm for us to encounter angels. Let me say it again. It'll be a norm for us to encounter angels. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia... And eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasures and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He's returning and sitting on his chariot, read Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit said unto Philip, go near, join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so, so opened he not his mouth. In his, humilia- in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answers Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the the, the prophet this? Who is he talking about? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him that name. Preached unto him what? Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch says, see, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with thy heart, all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Remember, he, he already got saved. Now he's getting baptized. Amen. Baptism doesn't save you. Right. Baptism is nothing but an outward, outward sign of an inward grace. Yeah. Philip said, You first got to treat Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then you get baptized. Come on, say amen, somebody. And he commanded the chariot to be stand still. And they went down both into the what? Water. Both Philip and the what? Both Philip and the what? 
both Philip and the what? And he what? Baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water. What happened? The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went his way rejoicing. Come on, could you imagine that eunuch? We're going down in the water. We're coming up. Wait a minute, where you go? Was that an angel? <laughs> that would have been our response. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. He got up and he's what? He saw him what? No more. He went away rejoicing because why? He got what he came for. Amen. But it says in verse 40, but Philip was found at what? Azotas and passing through, he what? Preached in all cities till he came to Caesarea. Azotha was 25 miles away. Twenty-five miles away. He come up out the water and found himself twenty-five miles away. The Spirit of the Lord caught away, caught him away. What was his mode of transportation? <laughs> come on, what was his mode of transportation? Philip was translated, folks. His what? His what? But see, our mind, <laughs> our mind just, it's, it's hard to comprehend that I'm preaching right here next thing you know, boop, we're past the goal. <laughs> and I go preach somewhere there, boop, I'll pop back. Hi, y'all. That's, that's, that's science, that's, you know, science fiction. But that's Bible. But that's Bible. That's Bible. Somebody say, that's Bible. Come on. This is happening today, folks. This is happening today. I have a good friend in South Carolina. He said this happened to him. He found himself preaching somewhere else. But the question is, what made Philip so special that something like this even would happen? Let's go back to Acts chapter 6, verse 1, where the first deacons were appointed. What made Philip so special that something like this would even happen? Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians among the Hebrews because their widows were what? Neglected in a daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should what? Lead the word of God and what? Serve tables. In other words, you know, we gotta let somebody else do this. Come on. You know, they're not taken care of. Who's why ain't they being taken care of? Verse 3, wherefore, brother, I want you to do is look you out among you seven men of what? Seven men of what? Honest report. What? Full of the Holy Ghost. And what? Wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. Business of what? Business of serving tables. Not running the church. Amen. 
Didn't say that, did it? That says serving tables. Serving the people in every way possible. Serving the people in every way possible. But it said, but we will give ourselves what? Continually to what? Prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. Because that's the most important thing. This is the true ministry of a deacon. To do what? To take care of things that the pastor doesn't have time to take care of. To free the pastor up so he can do what's really important. And that's to what? To continually be in prayer and in the word. That's the true purpose of a deacon, folks. Come on, say amen, somebody. But notice who they chose. It says, and the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man what? Full of faith and of the what? Holy Ghost. And who? And who? Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they sent before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. These men were, these men, were men with servants' hearts. Remember they said, look out among you and find these men. You'll see them. You'll know who they are when you see them. They'll be the one that's serving all the time. They'll be the one that's always dependable. Come on, say amen, somebody. They'll be the one that's full of faith. They'll be the one full of the Holy Ghost. They'll be the one that's always, when you see them, they're always praying in the Holy Ghost. They'll be the one with the word always in their hand. They can't get, they can't get enough of the word. They'll, you'll see them. You'll see them. You'll notice them. Oh, I'm preaching good in there. They're the ones that always stay prayed up. That's why it wasn't difficult for Philip to immediately obey the Holy Ghost when he said, go speak to the Ethiopian um, eunuch. He heard that voice. He knew that voice. And then it says, these men of honest report. Come on. We're trying to figure out why did he choose Philip to do something like this too? These men were what? Honest report. In other words, you never found them talking against the ministry. Come on, you never found them sitting down. They were always the first to put their hands to the plow. They were always the last to leave when the work was done. These were men of honest report. Come on, people seen this in these men. They seen this. That's why they were chosen. People seen their total concern was to get God's business done and doing whatever it takes to get it done. They seen this in these men. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the first two they chose went to do big things in ministry. They were both promoted to higher callings in ministry. Who was that? Stephen and Philip. The first one's chosen. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Look at verse 8. It says, and Stephen, what? Full of what? Faith and what? Did what? And miracles, what? How to get there. He was a man of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of faith. He became an evangelist. He became a martyr for the cause of Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. Look at Acts 8, 4. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it said, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the what? The word. The word. Then who? Then who? Then. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and did what? Preach Christ unto them. And the people were what? One accord gave heed unto those things that Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracle which he done. Why? Because they had much respect for Philip. Why? He's a man of, he was a man of what? Honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of what? Faith. And the people, one accord, gave heed unto things with Philip spake, hearing and seeing the what? Miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsy, and they were lame, and they that were lame, they were what? Healed, and there was great joy in the city. If you want to see increase of manifestation of the Holy Ghost, you got to be a person of honest report. Come on, now you listen to me out here. You must be a person full of the Holy Ghost. You must be a person full of the Word of God because why? If you're full of the Word of God, you're full of faith because faith comes by and hearing by the Word of God. These are what, 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 what God's looking for in people. Come on, I want to see manifestations of this. Folks. So there are some things you need to increase this year. Say it again. Come on, if you want the full manifestation of what we're talking about, there are some things you have to increase, not decrease. Increase, not decrease. I always tell people every year I say the same thing. I said how you end the year is how you start the year. How you start the year is how you finish the year. It happens every time. Hallelujah. That's why you always start on a good note. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's why you make sure you end on a good note. Because it propels you into the next year. You know, everybody's doing a New Year's resolution now. How long will that last? Because they didn't start it last year. <laughs> Come on, you go into the year doing what you want to do for the year. Not you wait till the year. Okay, I'm going to change my mind today. There's some changes you're going to have to make. Come on. It may, dis it may disrupt your schedule. It may disrupt what you think that you want to do all the time. You may leave, even lose a little sleep. Oh, Lord, God forbid. You won't be as comfy as you were sometimes. It boils down to how bad do you want it? What are you willing to do to get it? These men were willing to do to get it, do whatever it takes to get it. They were men that people seen were of honest report. They were men people seen were full of the, how else are you going to know somebody's full of the Holy Ghost? How are you going to know somebody's full of the Holy Ghost? There's something you're seeing in their life and you're not seeing in anybody else for somebody to choose you like that. 
How else are they going to know you're a man are full of faith? They've seen faith work in your life. They've seen you believe God for something and that thing come to pass because you stood on the word of God. how they get there. They stayed in the word of God. They stayed in prayer. Let me give you a, a testimony of a guy that I looked up. He said, listen to what he said. He said, on that morning back in 1996 when I had a heart attack at work, I notified my boss that I was ill and was going home because I looked so pale. My boss and my coworker desperately tried to stop me. But I was determined and I got into my car in Santa Monica, California, headed east on the freeway for a 36-mile drive home. About halfway home, just south of downtown Los Angeles, traffic got really bad, and I came to a complete stop in the center lane boxed in between big rigs on both sides and behind. It was then that I experienced a second attack so severe that I could not hold onto the steering wheel. My hands fell limp to my sides, and I felt myself begin to pass out. Just before everything went black, I asked God, please get me home. He said, the next instant, I felt my body press hard into the door from the G-force of the car, making a hard right-hand turn. Tires grilling, coming out of what seemed like a deep sleep, I opened my eyes and straightened up just in time to see the hood of my car just barely miss the still opening garage door. I had to really think quick to slam on the brakes to keep the car from plowing through the backyard back wall of my garage. I turned off the engine and stumbled out the car, had Marcia call the doctor and then had her drive me there. So much, so much, so much else happened afterward that I just simply forgot about all this until months later. What happened? The only explanation was that God got me home like I had asked. God probably, through one or more angelic beings, translated me in my car more than 15 miles, bypassing, come on, congested freeways, off-run city streets from downtown Los Angeles through three other cities right into almost through my own garage in Arcadia. I don't know how long I was out, but all this seemed to happen in just a few seconds. <clears throat> That's translated, folks. Another one, a person said, I went 200, he said, I went 247.4 miles in two hours. It said, my point of departure was St. Louis. My destination was Kansas City. I stopped two hours after I left St. Louis to get some tea. I asked the waitress if it was about 150 miles to Kansas City. She said, I was in Kansas City. <laughs> I told her I couldn't be in Kansas City. She looked at me rather strange and assured me that I was in Kansas City. She was right. I had no clue that it happened. I was just there. I only used a quarter gas, a quarter of a tank of gas, and my trip tripometer said I had gone about 100 miles. 
This is God, folks. These are all manifestations of the Holy Ghost. But like I said, our mental thinking is saying, wow, <laughs> can this really happen? Come on, I watch a lot of Star Wars movies and all the other movies. Come on, say man, somebody. Hey, man, Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty, all that stuff. Can this really happen? But I don't know about you. If I see it in the word of God, I can travel the friendly skies in another direction, in a different way. Because <laughs> what? God may need you in Africa. He don't need you to get on the airplane to get there. Okay, all right. God may need you in Europe, and he don't need no airplane to get you there. He may need you there like that and bring you back like that. This is Bible, folks. These are all manifestations of the Holy Ghost that a lot of people don't touch on, but it's in the Bible. Is it in the Bible? Now, don't be talking about that. all that stuff went away with the apostles. Come on. <laughs> Anything I find in the word of God, God expects me to believe for. Because why? It's all in his plan. If he needs me to get somewhere for him to take me there, I got to believe that can happen. So sometimes he'll have somebody preach a message like this to get you beyond your unbelief. So when it happens, you won't be like Ezekiel standing there seven days going to da 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 What happened? What happened? What happened? No, he wants you to take you there to do something. Amen? But these are something we have to what? Start believing for. Lift your hands and give God praise. But God's looking for people that are full of the Holy Ghost. People of honest report, full of faith. Because you got to have faith for something like this. You got to have faith. And you got to trust God. Could you imagine if Ezekiel didn't trust God, he between heaven and earth? <laughs> By the lock of his head, come say amen, somebody. How, that's not the time to doubt. <laughs> not the time to talk about what meaneth this. Come on, say amen. amen. Now, God wants you to flow with him. Because why? Amen. Understand, folks. We serve a God of the supernatural. We have got so caught up in natural thinking that we sometimes discount the supernatural side of God. I'm talking about things that people can't explain. Amen. That's the God we serve. Yes. And sometimes he don't want to explain it to you. know that it is him. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and give God praise. Yes. 